Pastor Tony Mancino pastors in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he is a man of wisdom and a man that every listener out there is going to greatly enjoy hearing his story. I loved listening to it. Yeah, it was a great story. Yeah, uh, He comes from uh, being one in Vancouver. You know what? We'll let him tell his story. But before we get there, we got to give a shout-out. We want to give a listener shout-out to a person that um, likes and shares, reviews our stuff. Um, and so if you want your name to be mentioned for the podcast, all you got to do is just follow the example of this listener and the listener we want to give a shout out to is Larae Harmon. Man, she likes everything. Everything. Yes. My, my Facebook gets like 20 notifications a day. She likes it all. But it's and the greatest feeling in the world. Dude, it makes us feel good. And so yes. we want to give a shout out to people that uh, let us know that they're enjoying the material that's being put out there. Um, another thing we want to do is um, let you guys know how much we just appreciate everybody listening. And if you're out there and you're hungry and you've come, I want you to know you've come to the right podcast because we're going to let you know something really good to eat. Uh, if you want Italian food this evening, you need to get down to 2230 South Caraway Road in Jonesboro, Arkansas, or you can call ahead at 870-931-4700. You may even want to skip the line and take a re- get a reservation for your party that you're going to want to bring. Another thing they do is they do banquets. I don't even know. Um, how Valentine's Day is coming up. Oh, that's a perfect, because I was going to say, I don't even know when a perfect time with that would be, but that is a perfect time. You get your whole crew together, get the whole family together, take them down to the Lazar. Have a nice banquet, and uh, you guys will greatly enjoy going take, there. Take your date there; she'll enjoy it too. Brian, my absolute favorite thing is that cheesecake that comes at the end. Oh my word! Get that for your sweetheart. It's, it's worth holding out for. We also want to give a shout out to thedrifteddrum.com. This is Dr. April Jones, who's written the book No Mess, No Message. You can go on there and find encouragement in any aspect of your life that you may need. Go there, type in promo code. Crucial and get 10% off your entire purchase. Also, receive a free companion journal for the book No Mess, No Message. Go support her, she supports us. What a great thing that she's doing, Brian. Um, there's nothing better than supporting those who support us. I had to get up and I had to turn the heat down last night because Anderson Heat and Air came over and switched out my heating unit. It went out a couple of weeks back. Nat came in, he put in a new uh, high, um, oh, high efficient, high efficiency furnace so my bill's going down it didn't break the bank and we want to i want to thank matt anderson anderson heat and air if you've got air problems or you've got heat problems you need to call 870-935-1155 even if you don't live in the jonesboro area call them and get a little get, get some counsel on what you need to do on in your next heating uh he'll treat you right he'll treat you right he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll steer you in the right direction also we want to give a shout out to list with live oak Dot com. This place can set you up if you're living in that place you don't want to be in anymore. Say it's more than just what Nat Anderson can fix. And it's a little bit pricey. You're tired of putting all your money and all your effort into your home. Get out of that thing while you still can. Go to listwithliveoak.com or call 870-520-2522 and let them set you up with the home of your dreams. Listen, don't live in a place where you don't want to be. Sell that thing today, get your dream home, make your wife happy, finally spread out a little bit, get you that home from listwithliveoak.com. If you guys have been listening to Crucial Conversation, you've listened to all 35-something episodes that have been out there, and you want some more Crucial Conversation. Well, there's You can't listen to any more Crucial Conversation yet until next Sunday, but you can listen to Forward Talk. You can go to YouTube and search up Forward Talk, former uh, 
guest here on the show and a future guest here on the show, John C. Carroll. He gets together and he, he his most recent video that's going to come out, I think it's tomorrow night, is going to be an episode where he reviews uh, Antonin Scalia bit that he, he found on the internet and he's going to apply it to how we understand the Bible. So you guys go check out Forward Talk on YouTube. And our last sponsor, we want to welcome a brand new sponsor. Ooh, we love new sponsors on newbie. this program. Fletcher Dodge Jeep Ram in Jonesboro. Listen, I got, I, I think I've got all of my vehicles from them just because they make it easy. I save time and I save money when I go into a dealership like that. It's no stress, low hassle. They give you royalty treatment from the time you walk in there. Look, they're not trying to get in your back pocket when you get on the lot. They're trying to get you into a car that you can afford, that you want, that's on your payment plan, on your terms. They do it all. Go visit them at 3314 Stadium Boulevard in Jonesboro. And I just got done talking with one, with one of their managers. The good news is they deliver, guys. Uh, yeah, don't, don't adjust your headphones. They deliver. You buy what you want from them. Come do the paperwork. They'll come take it to you. Call them today at 870-277-2011. Ask for a guy named Andrew Sanders. Andrew Sanders, he's going to take care of you at 870-277-2011. And no, that ain't just some scrub salesman I'm giving you. That's straight to the manager. So, Brian, he's going to give you a deal. Yeah, yeah. He ain't and, doing nothing for it. He's giving you a straight deal. And not only that, but if you guys follow Christian Life Center uh, in Stockton, California, and you've been saying they've been having an evangelist, been preaching for him for like the last six months, Jonathan Sanders, this is his brother. And so it, it's somebody that, that we trust, that, that, we, that you can trust. And uh, they're, they're raised by some good folk. Brian, let's get to Tony Mancino. Oh, my gosh. You guys, it, it, you, there's so many people out there that are listening right now that either he is or he, you want him to be your book mentor. We talked a little bit about that. You guys are – this is a treat. This is an absolute gem. Uh, at least go follow this guy on fa- or on Twitter. Excuse oh, me. my gosh. His it, Twitter is unbelievable. It gives you daily bread whether you're looking for it or not. Go follow Tony Mancino, M-A-N-S-I-N-H-O. You're going to love it. I I think that if there's anything that I would want to be said is he was consistent. Um, Wow. You know, um, that's not to say I've been perfect. I haven't. But I haven't given up. I've been, uh, you know, you know, I've been a jerk, an idiot, and all that. But I've never gave up, thank God. And ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. It was my drug dealer who took me to the United Pentecostal Church. I I think it's sad sometimes how we treat one another when we fail, don't get it right. And uh, and I think it's sad too that we uh, try to live according to somebody's definition of what being perfect is. You know, at the end of the day, I just want to be like Jesus. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to The Crucial Conversation Podcast. Brian, it is a new year. And uh, we have been out of the saddle for a while, but we have found our way. Climbing to, back up on that horse. Yes, we found our way somehow to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania this morning. And uh, we have sat down with, uh, 
I think he's an icon on Twitter. He's got one of the coolest uh, um, Twitter pages that you can go follow daily, Brad. You can actually chew on for a while. We have with us the great Tony Mancino. How are you, man? He's everybody's book mentor. Yes. So what we mean by that is go on Facebook, or not Facebook, but go on Twitter and search for this guy, and you will find that he is the book guru. Um, As a matter of fact, how we found this guy was we were talking to one of our mentors back home, and uh, he said, hey, if you guys are going over to Pittsburgh, you have to go look this guy up and, and try to sit down and get an interview with him. Well, here we are. Brother Mancino, thank you so much for spending some time with us this afternoon. I know. Thank you. Thank you so very much for this kind honor. No problem. So let's get right into it. Tell us a little bit about um, where you come from, how you ended up in Pittsburgh. You're not from this area. How did how did all that come about? Yeah. Um, well, we'll make it brief. Born in Portugal, uh, actually on the Azores Islands, um, and then. Uh, immigrated to Canada, Vancouver, British Columbia. And, uh, and it was in Vancouver that I came into the church under the ministry of uh, Brother Terry Black. And, uh, and there also uh, met, married my wife, Lorraine Goddard. Um, and her dad had become our pastor at the church there in Vancouver after Brother Black went to Memphis. Um, and then a short while after that, uh, my wife's father uh, went to St. John, New Brunswick and to pastor the church there. Great church, really, great church. And, um, and also out of there, my wife and I branched out to a home missions type church in uh, Quispamsis, it was called. Um, and then about seven years of that, 16 total in New Brunswick, uh, wonderful people. I don't know that I'd ever want to live there again. Winter is just too long. But anyway, <laughs> uh, after about seven years, um, we really felt like it was time for us to move. And so we began to uh, search out options, pray, of course. Uh, and uh, there was something somewhere else here in the U.S., that ended very badly and disappointingly. Um, But yet it wasn't too much longer after that that uh, my father-in-law, who was the district superintendent there in New Brunswick, had received a letter from the presbyter here in Pittsburgh about uh, Calvary Apostolic Church being open. And so we prayed and decided to come and um, try it all out, feel it all out, and uh, we had a great service, and, uh, and there was just an immediate um, connection, uh, us and the people and, and the church board. It, everything went uh, absolutely smooth. Even our uh, move, transition from Canada to here was without a hitch, sold our home uh, quickly. Uh, all of our paperwork was... Uh, um, in order, they were amazed at the border that uh, everything was perfect, and uh, and we got here and we've been here and uh, it's been a wonderful church, uh, wonderful church to pastor, really great people. Um, so yeah, that's how we got here. <laughs> in what ways 
is the culture of the the church in the United the churches in the United States compared to churches in Canada? Well, there there is a difference, and uh, uh, first, I do want to say I love living in the U.S. and uh, and and since being here, uh, have become a U.S. citizen. Uh, my wife is a U.S. citizen, so. I don't mean no disrespect but what I, by what I'm about to say. But, yeah, there are some differences. Uh, and I think the big difference that I've noticed myself and that sometimes has kind of uh, bothered me uh, is faithfulness. Um, in Canada, when there's church, you're there. You're there. Uh, we would be in church. It, it didn't matter if it was uh, a blizzard or and we had a three-day ice storm. I'm guessing blizzards frequent Canada as well. I'm sorry? I figured that blizzards frequent Canada <laughs> as well. <laughs> Over there on the East Coast, yes, sir. Yeah, so faithfulness is a big thing. I, I, you know, There's too much uh, picking and choosing here as far as which service people want to come to, whereas in Canada it was if the doors were open, you were there. So I think that ultimately is the, the, the big difference that I've noted. And, and, and Canadians sometimes, too, get the bad rap. I'm a Canadian citizen as well. Get the bad rap of uh, not being real worshipers. But that's, that, that's, that's <laughs> foolishness. Yeah. They are wonderful worshipers. The church that I came in under, uh, Maranatha Tabernacle, Brother Terry Black, and then uh, my father-in-law, Brother Goddard, uh, worship worshipful church and then uh first upc mark drive in st john new brunswick incredible uh worshipful church um and and then also canadians too as many in the u.s uh very appreciative and hungry for word-based preaching teaching sure. just love it so <clears throat> i've been there are in, some differences i've been in canada for uh, I think three of the last four years doing some ministry uh, there. And what I've really noticed difference-wise is the openness and welcomeness of uh, hearing what you have to say. Um, we, uh, we've we been to we Winnipeg quite often. Um, then we went all over uh, the Toronto metro area and Ontario, all over that area. And it always seemed like there was a hunger there that almost lacks in the United States, if that makes sense. Um, but I completely can relate to what you're saying because the church that we went to in Winnipeg, um, bro, there was people there from, I think, if my if my memory serves me right, it's twenty different nationalities yes. in one church, and we all come together for a common purpose. Yeah. Uh, and so when you came to Pittsburgh, that kind of had to be a, almost like a culture shock, was it not? Oh. Not too much. Uh, we are starting to get a few more uh, different nationalities, which is nice. But yes, absolutely in Canada. Uh, almost every church was multinational, and, and it does add. And, and as well to what you just said, very true about the uh, openness and, and, and welcoming nature of Canadians. That's, that is not an overstatement. So. so you spoke about, sorry, Brian, you spoke about um, Terry Black and yes, your father-in-law. Um, who are some other men or even people that has helped you become who you are today? Um, well, definitely, you know, uh, having come in under Brother Terry Black, um, 
just by the virtue of coming in under him, I'll never forget. Uh, and yes, uh, probably uh, my father-in-law has um, had the greatest uh, influence uh, on me. And if I am anything good, uh, he can and should uh, take the credit. Um, and then I have been uh, helped very much by uh, those who served uh, under uh, my pastors. Uh, each of them were uh, gracious and, and helpful to me in, in some manner. And yet, I think, though, that the, <laughs> the biggest uh, influence would have to be almost women. I don't know uh, how it is, but even from when I came into the church there in Vancouver and, uh, and to here in Pittsburgh, uh, I've always had an elderly Christian woman who was... Uh, uh, just in my life. So in Vancouver, it was a Sister Donovan who uh, I would, uh, after I had gotten my first car, Ford Mustang, and uh, I would drive and pick her up to take her to church uh, and uh, also take her out afterwards to eat fellowship and back home. Uh, and then over in um, St. John, uh, a couple... Uh, elderly Christian ladies, a sister Norris and uh, a sister Daisy Watson, who, who uh, in the latter part of her years, I got to drive to church as well. And uh, just, they were just so helpful and affirming of me, uh, my ministry, my family, just incredible. And then here in Pittsburgh, uh, she just recently passed this last year, but Sister Lodima Spurlock, uh, an incredible lady, incredible lady. And I got to uh, uh, drive her around as well, and sometimes crazy, no doubt. But just uh, all, those four ladies, I, I don't know, they somehow uh, define my, my life and Christian walk ministry, just so very kind to me and, uh, and such a, uh, an example to me. Uh, so so I, I can't... I can't uh, leave them out of the picture as far as uh, who's had an influence on me. So, so as a person who's been poured into by these different ministries, um, what value do you see as you as a leader now into pouring into people in your congregation, uh, young men in ministry such as yourself at those times where these people invest in you, and even to, to new people that come to the church? I noticed as we were walking into the 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 church today, um, people that were just walking down on the sidewalk, uh, Brother Mancino, you were waving at, at people um, as they passed by. And, and I, I say that, you know, you're, you're showing yourself to be a light here in this city, and, and I give you honor for that. Um, but like I said, what, is, what, what are the ways that you, you can see that you can pour into people, or, or what's the value of pouring into others and kind of giving back, in, as it were, uh, to what was been given into you? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I definitely don't want to be a dead sea. Uh, I definitely don't want what has happened to so many uh, in, in, our, in our organization who, who have died and have died with everything still in them. I do want to pour out what has been poured out into me, so I, I don't want it to die with me. 
Um, whatever I have learned, I do want to share uh, uh, with others. I most certainly do want to, uh, I want to help uh, young ministers. I don't think there's um, too much for them, uh, by which I mean um, basic stuff, uh, just just basic stuff. How to read, how to how to pray, how to uh, uh, prepare Bible study lessons or Sunday school lessons or sermons, etc. Just simple stuff. Not just giving them an opportunity to preach, but uh, I I really do want to uh, invest uh, uh, invest in them what has been invested. Uh, in me um yeah but at the same time too i want to i, I do want I, I tell one of the young men that um he should be better than me uh meaning that i'm pouring into him so he's going to have me and him so that should make him better yeah uh so that i, I want them to be better than me i want them to be better preachers, teachers, etc. I want them to be better. Uh, and, and that's what uh, I'm going to invest into their uh, lives uh, with the goal of uh, to, to be better. Um, I know this is kind of springing this on you, but when you talk about how you want to teach them how to read, how to pray, how to preach, um, can I ask you, so if someone were to come to you and say, Pastor, I really don't know how to pray to connect with God, what what were some what are some tips that you could give them to better their prayer life? Well, I, praying comes from praying. Uh, I think we do make it a whole lot more difficult than it is. Yeah, uh, and, and we get better at prayer by praying. And uh, you know what I mean? Uh, it's not uh, praying is not so much about you know quote-unquote, right words or whatever. It, it, it's just simply a child presenting need to our Father. Um, and uh, so praying is learned by praying. And, uh, and the uh, uh, in order to pray more, uh, what's, I'm looking for a word, um, an impetus to, to pray more uh, would be answered prayer. So, so, I mean, the more God answers, the more you're going to pray, want to pray, and yeah. the more you do pray, the quote-unquote better at praying you get. Uh, you know, it, it's just simply a matter of us uh, communicating with God, us talking to God, God talking to us um, and and going from there I think we just make some of this stuff way too hard and uh, and um, and I even try to um, oh, I don't know I can't think of the word sorry um, so uh, what about with like a preparing a message what are some what's your process I mean obviously you're a man of study as Tony alluded to at the beginning with with your Twitter uh, you're always putting out awesome quotes and all these different books how do you prepare a message well well uh, I the uh, 
preachers do have a nasty habit of going to the Bible to find a sermon. And uh, I, I think we just need to read the Word, and as we read the Word, uh, the sermon will find us. Uh, which is what I was doing the other day, reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, and all of a sudden the first three verses just, um, just stopped me. So, uh, and, I, and it uh, compelled me to study. And that's the same thing even with books. If I'm reading a book, um, if something begins to jump out at me that I want to uh, study or I want to to use it in order to uh, present something that's going to be helpful to the people of God. Uh, I'm not going to continue reading. I just stop and I begin to work on whatever that is. Uh, me, when I do a, so a message, obviously, uh, it will either be a thought and, uh, but better, a text. Uh, begin with the text and then uh, exposit from that text so that what I say is what the text is saying. And uh, I don't, sometimes I do a little outline, uh, but I don't, I really don't know how it works in my head. I just know that if I start, I will get to the end, like, so that everything, for me, I like, I like it to be kind of a circle. Where we started is where we ended, or is where we end. Uh, so that, I will just, uh, I, I have an overall uh, big thought in my head, and I just begin, and I want to try to get a... A really good first sentence mm -hmm. uh, something that will be the key to the message and something that I can uh, hammer on throughout and then I will just uh, uh, fill in um, the points and so forth and again deriving it all from the text which I think is important you know I I heard someone say that uh the key to a good message is to have a really good intro and a really good ending, and there's not much keeping them apart. <laughs> but yeah. as we're talking about development here, um, there's a question that we sent you uh, prior to meeting you that I'm really interested to hear your perspective on. Um, so we're going to get into the whole book thing here in a minute because that really just is something that's cool to me. But... As a man who reads a lot and where almost in this upcoming generation, that's almost a thing of the past where I've got to have it at my fingertips. I'd rather somebody audible it to me or how can I uh, watch this or, um, you know, I'd rather podcast it than listen to it. I'd rather hear a review of it or Sparks Notes. Give me just the key points of it. Right. What would you say to that generation? If you could say anything to the entire generation coming up to the United Pentecostal Church, what would that be? Well, that's a massive uh, question. But back, just quickly back to the last one. I, I put it on Twitter. Um, a sermon should be a bullet, not buckshot. There so, you go, yeah. Um, but yeah, wow, that, that is a huge um, question. And um, whatever I do uh, or would want to say to uh, our younger generation, I think for the most part, they already are, and uh, I am I'm proud of our apostolic young people, um, amazing young people uh, who are um, living for God and, uh, and being used of God uh, greatly. Uh, and all I would say to them is uh, to, to continue being uh, authentic, unapologetic, 
yes. apostolic. And, uh, and, and, and so that, that'd be the big thing. And then also a bit of a warning, because we do have uh, a tendency sometimes, like when God does something great, uh, we want to, like Israel did so many times, uh, we want to erect a monument to it. And, uh, and it's when we begin to erect these monuments uh, to uh, those divine moments that God shows up in great presence and power that's when we lose it all. Yes. And, uh, you know, now uh, in the, in our, among our young people, the big thing is Youth Congress. And, uh, and it has been wonderful. I have been uh, to a couple, I think. I just can't handle the crowds. Okay. Uh, Same for me. <laughs> I, just, I just can't. I love them, but it's too much for me too old. Uh, but I, I, I would definitely caution them and us, of course, uh, uh, to be very careful about uh, erecting, the, erecting a monument to all of that, because when we do, that's when we're going to lose what God is doing. We need to see it for what it is. It's to be a movement. It's to be a continuation. It's not just to be the, um, uh, the youth congress or general conference or because of the times or winter fire, etc. God meant, means for it to be a, a continuous, everyday thing, not just something to look forward to. That's, that's almost, in a sense, uh, Old Testament thinking. But now here in the New Testament, we have the reality. It's an everyday, yes. always. And uh, so I, I would say definitely to our younger apostolics, um, Live Youth Congress every day, every day, everywhere, and uh, and that will uh, not uh, cause it to to die. I mean, it's like again, uh, Israel when they're in the wilderness and they sin against God and the man of God, and God sends the serpents. The serpents bite them. They die. They they repent. The remedy, the serpent on the pole, look and live. You know, and then eventually, because of that great saving act of God, they turn it into some kind of monument and begin to worship the bronze serpent uh, on the pole. Uh, so that when Nehemiah or Hezekiah shows up, he smashes it to smithereens. Yeah. It had become an idol. And, uh, you know, it, it totally destroyed what God had done. And, and I think we have to be careful uh, in the apostolic movement that we don't begin to uh, uh, make monuments. Let's just keep on going with what God is doing. It, 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 the moment is meant to be a movement, not some monument that we look back in awe of and, and think that, oh, it only happened there and it can't happen anywhere else or whatever so. and you've seen that uh, at least i i feel like i we've seen that um with previous generations that uh sometimes you'll hear the expression of elders of well i remember back yes in 1970 whenever we had this revival or or in it we'll, we'll bring it to the jonesboro context is there are elders in jonesboro they look back on bible hour tabernacle and they're like, that was the days of, of revival at Jonesboro. People were setting up in the rafters. Yeah. And I've seen black and white photos of, of hundreds of people crammed into a building. Um, unfortunately, that church doesn't even exist anymore. In fact, the church, um, uh, it's, it, the, the, 
the lineal church of of that is no longer even apostolic at all and and yet we we always look back on what god did then yes and yet god was moving forward but there's a lot of people that are still looking to the past yes and they discount the 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 present we certainly honor the past yeah but we can't live there yeah right yeah we're too much still like peter at the transfiguration of jesus yeah it's like oh we need to build tabernacles here it's like you're missing the picture. And to Brian's point, you know, <clears throat> we always do look back at the previous revivals. And, you know, we were packed out with the hundreds in a church. But our generation today is packing out the thousands in football arenas and stadiums. Right. So there's, there is a definite revival happening. And we, we need to make sure that we're all fighting the same fight together yeah i mean that's just yeah Yeah, i mean it was like that was gideon's problem too and why he didn't believe uh what the angel of the lord declared when 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 he showed up oh mighty man of valor it's like who me and uh and then he uh gives it away when he said if this is all true then where's all the miracles like the stories we've heard and, and, and that's, that's the problem. And, and so long as it's just stories, and, and thank God for the stories, but so long as it's just uh, us confining it to a place or a person or a period in time, then we're never, ever going to believe what God is declaring in and over our lives. And we're not going to see what God intended uh, by his showing up to do. So I think we do have to be very careful um, and, and two, I would tell our young, younger apostolics, I would tell them um, to love their elders. Um, yes. I know that's a given. There's, there's, something, there's something that I saw on Facebook a long time ago, and it really forced me to start living more intentional. Um, it was a picture of, a, I would say, a man in his late 80s uh, wearing his world war ii veteran hat and he's wearing his khakis and his velcro shoes and that khaki shirt that matches just perfectly and i'd say his eight-year-old grandson sitting across the table at the the hardy's with him looking down at his phone Hmm. and he doesn't realize the time is is slipping away and though you could sponge off so much oh yeah and here's the thing i don't i don't want to take our anchors for granted like you just said respect don't just respect your elders, but let them speak into your life. Yeah, and I actually uh, had written that down, and uh, that very word, intention. Um, you know, earlier you asked uh, about pouring into others, and, and that, that, that's half of it, me pouring into others. But I think others need to pull out uh, mm-hmm. from those who are pouring in. Because uh, sometimes, you know, I may only be uh, pouring in what I think, uh, is uh, needed or necessary, whereas if they can begin to pull out uh, from me some other stuff, it will uh, greatly um, make them, as I said, better than me. But I, I do think that we have to be intentional with our elders. Um, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I cannot overstate the uh, important, and they probably thought they were doing nothing for me, but those, those ladies that I mentioned, yeah, all of them, old ladies. Yeah, you know, and and yet, I'm better 
I'm only, well, Sister Norris, uh, I think she was a street preacher, and uh, Sister Lodima, uh, she was a ordained uh, minister with, uh, with us, um, and don't, only two of them, I, I privilege of pastoring, but both, all four of them, just an uh, incredible impact on my life, and uh, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that I wasn't, quote unquote, uh, haughty or uh, think uh, too smart for them or anything. Uh, I loved them and they loved me even more. And so I'm thankful to God for that very much. With all the um, years of ministry of those two people you just talked about that was sitting in your church, did you ever sometimes struggle with preaching to them? Um, let me justify that question. My dad pastors a church in Illinois where at one point he had a retired minister of 50 years in his church. Uh, he had a, the bishop at the church that was 40 years in, um, and he's got people all around him that's licensed ministers, and sometimes he just doesn't feel qualified like the ones that are sitting on those pews. How, how do you deal with something like that? I can't say that I had that problem. Um, and when we did get here in Pittsburgh, uh, Brother Milton Buller, who was the uh, pastor uh, before me, and, uh, and I should say in honor of the church here, uh, I'm only the third pastor in its 70-year uh, history. Wow, uh, it's been faithful uh, ministers. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. How many churches are here in this Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area? In Pittsburgh, three of us, which is... How, how large of a city? Uh, it's over a million, but I think only about uh, 600 or so, 600,000 in the city proper, and then double that plus in the outlining areas. Pittsburgh's a wonderful city. Everybody should come. <laughs> so so, uh, so the, all the churches are not actually in the city they're in the suburbs pretty much well we are about 15 minutes from downtown mm -hmm. uh there's a church in etna perhaps 20 minutes out and then one in oakmont um, we did have another one near uh, the airport uh, but we could use a hundred plus um and uh it, it, it is a wonderful city. Uh, but no, again, uh, Brother Buller was here. He didn't last very long. He passed away shortly after us and uh, probably holding on to make sure the church is going to be all right. Um, and I have absolutely uh, tried my best to not, uh, not fail in that area. Um, you know, that this is beyond just my work, and I don't want to, uh, I don't want to dirty the foundation. It's with too with three churches in the metro area and over a million plus in the surrounding areas, you have a huge responsibility, bro. Oh, it's massive. And, and <clears throat> excuse me, we do have the um, uh, Pittsburgh um, University and uh, Carnegie, a few others. So there's a lot of um, whatever that's called, a um, lot of young people. 
um, and uh, and it's a very uh, medical type uh, city. Uh, I mean, there's a lot, and uh, by ourselves, uh, we're trying, but not. I don't know that we can reach everybody. Yeah. Uh, but we are trying. We have uh, a, a couple doing a, um, a a ministry that helps the less fortunate or whatever. But it, it's just opened up into so many areas that the uh, the city is calling us. I mean it's it, it, it's it's wonderful and 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 they have been coming to service and we've baptized a few in jesus name and and seen a few receive the the holy ghost baptism uh and some are still with us but uh they get cleaned up and then kind of get moved etc so but but that's okay lives are are being uh touched and changed and, uh, and i'm thankful for that uh, i did want to say too just uh back to the elders um uh, there's a few folks, um, and really, of that few, I only know a few as far as face-to-face, where I send out books. And there's a young girl, and I've never met her, <laughs> um, but I, I sent her a book by Sister Nona Freeman, and, uh, and she um, private messaged back, uh, she was very touched by the book and was weeping at the end. It was one of Sister Freeman's um, novels. But, but she said at the end, uh, or in her private message, that, you know, it's like, um, you know, like why it's so important. Uh, we, we don't, in Pentecost, we don't tell our stories. We really don't, of, of the men and women of God that have, uh, that have been with us. Um, you know, their they're, they're biographies. Uh, we've had a few in the past. I think it was Sister LaJoyce Martin. Uh, but anyway, she private messaged me and said, who is Sister Nona Freeman? Wow. You know, and, and I don't fault her. You know, I, I don't fault her. I mean, there's going to be people from this church here who are going to ask, who's Sister Lodema Spurlock? And yet, this church would not even be here had it not been for her. Yeah. Uh, because uh, Brother Buller, uh, he, he was elderly and uh, had gotten sick uh, quite often and uh, was out of the pulpit for uh, stretches of time uh, due to the sickness and recovery, etc. And she, and she is the one who held the church together. They lost a lot of members as a result of all of that, but, but she kept this open and, uh, and made it possible for us to come. So, you know, I, I don't blame her. Uh, it, it's just we don't, uh, like other organizations, especially in the, uh, the Reformed uh, faith, I mean, they are always touting their uh, forefathers, etc. And, uh, you know, biographies and so forth and, and uh, even documentaries and, you know, always before. And, and we don't do a very good job of that in Pentecost. I wouldn't be surprised in a few years somebody said, who's this David K. Bernard? Wow. You know, so that, I think we could. That's something that I've been thinking about actually a lot recently. Um, and that's a question that I was wanting to eventually ask somebody. Um, but now that you bring it up, who would be a an apostolic pioneer of of kind of the, our modern era that you would be most interested to read a biography of? Wow. 
Because like I'm thinking that um, I've got Andrew Urshan's autobiography. Yes, um, I kind I think Daniel Seagraves wrote a biography yes. that I'm I'm interested in. I'm really interested in in the Urshan family. Obviously, they they're very connected into the United Pentecostal Church because the the two of the colleges that we have uh, our graduate school are named after the Urshans. Um, Andrew Urshan's son was our general superintendent. Uh, the uh, generations of Urshans, they're some of the greatest preachers you can find. Um, and even in, uh, you know, UPC, you've got Joel Urshan in the WPF, you have Nathaniel Urshan, uh, phenomenal preachers. And, and so I'd like to, to know more about the backstory of, of Andrew Urshan. And um, I've got a book uh, on Howard Goss, but I, I haven't started it yet, um, who was the first superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. But, yes. Um, who were who were some names that you would be most interested in? Well, I, I have been fortunate. Uh, I married a pastor's daughter, so that uh, opened uh, a whole lot of doors to meeting some wonderful men, women of God. Um, love Brother Stone King. Love Brother Stone King, and uh, and love Brother Mooney, um, and I, and I and I love. Uh, I love Brother Black uh, and uh, my life, um, just the way God uh, arranged it, um, the church there in St. Louis, I'm not sure what their name is right now, but we always called it 13th and Gravois, uh, Brother Williford, pastor. Um, you know, so my, Terry Black, that's where he came from. Is that where his, yeah, his, his dad, his dad was pastor. Right, there. Winford Black, that would be an incredible uh, biography. My father-in-law tells me, has told me so much about him. And as far as uh, anybody having impact in his life, you know, incredibly, it would be Brother Winford Black and uh, uh, Harry Branding, uh, if I said that name right. But yeah, so, you know, my life initially by Brother Terry Black, and, and then my father-in-law, who also had worked with Brother Black in the 13th and Gravois Church. And then later when I was ordained in the UPC, it was Brother Williford who uh, preached uh, the ordination Stephen service. Stephen Williford, correct. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. So somehow or another, uh, 13th and Gravois has a, um, its fingerprint all over uh, my life. And then, of course, uh, good friends with uh, Brother Nathan Reaver there who... He makes an impact on my life without even knowing it. Just a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, so, yeah, you know, Brother Stone King, love him. Uh, Brother Mooney. How he, does Brother Mooney always find himself in the most awkward of situations? Like, I don't know. in every one of his sermons, there's always some story he always tells. Always a story. Like, there's one that stands out in my mind where he talks about how he was almost out of gas on his way to church and he was like well i'm gonna stop and get a sweet tea at the mcdonald's and so he pulls into the mcdonald's and in between the building and he he, he obviously he's in between the building and he's in his vehicle so he's right up beside the building and he runs out of gas in the drive-thru oh, beside dear. the building and has to like crawl, crawl out of the other side of his vehicle in order to get gas so he can walk down the street to get gas and come back and put it in his vehicle to try and get at least through the driveway I don't know how he always finds himself in these situations. Yeah, he is an incredible interpreter of life. He really is. And then turning those life situations into some kind of biblical truth. I mean, I wish. Uh, <laughs> so do we. But, uh, 
Yeah, there are there are a lot of great men, and I think those uh, who have served in a uh, public leadership role, it would be so great to have their stories. Uh, the one name that kind of comes to mind, uh, and even another would, I just thought of Brother Joe Farino. We had him up there in Canada so many times, uh, and his story, you know, Little Joe, that would be wonderful for uh, everyone to read of. But I, I don't know, in my mind uh, at this moment, I have stuck uh, Brother Jack Yance. And I just remember it was in Vancouver, and uh, he was there over at uh, my in-law's home. He had been ministering at the church there. And, uh, and just the man's passion for God, the work of God, etc. cetera. And, uh, and that... Uh, that's almost like a name that is, you know, disappearing. Mm -hmm. um, if, if it wasn't for the uh, video, the uh, Christmas for Christ, uh, a few years back, that mentioned him and how that started, etc. He's you been know. passed for a little while now. Yeah, quite yeah. a while. So, and even again, too, like big names that we all know. But that's all we know about them is yeah. their quote-unquote big name. Yeah. But it'd be nice to know about Brother Mangum, you know, yeah. Senior, yeah. and even Sister Mangum as well. Um, you know, I read the story, I think it was of her, I think it was her father, you know. It, it's, and it was an easy read and just a, an, an amazing uh, testimony and gives you, uh, it gives you the background to realize that, you know, she didn't get there by herself, you know. So, so yeah, the, the, there's too many in Pentecost whose stories would be, we need them. We really sure. do. And I wish somebody would pick up pen and start putting to paper. So I want to ask you something along these lines. Uh, when we were setting up, you made a statement that um, fits perfect to this right now. You said that um, you're at a point in your life you don't care if people know who you are. Um, but if your children were to pick up that pen and start writing a biography about you, what would you hope the legacy and the preface would say? That's a big question. That's a home run question. Uh, you know what? I, I think, you know, uh, uh, the obvious aside, you know, he loved God, he lived for God, etc. Um, I think that if there's anything that I would want to be said is he was consistent. Um, wow. You know, um, that's not to say I've been perfect. I haven't. But I haven't given up. I've been, uh, you know, uh, to quote Brother Jeff Arnold, whose story would be awesome to read as well. You know, I've been a jerk, an idiot, and all that. But I've never gave up, thank God. Um, and, and that's the thing that, you know, Dad was consistent. And I, 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 that's, that's, um, that's huge, but uh, that would, that would, uh, wow. that would that's cause a great me to answer. smile. So. A pastoring here in, in Pittsburgh, uh, when, when guests come to your church, are they what we would consider just good old sinner folk, or are they? Uh, do they come w from different Christian backgrounds? Like in, like in the South, everybody everybody's that a Christian. Everybody's everybody's saved <laughs> in the South. 
Right. But like we were talking with um, the Lumpkins, and they talked about how they had their church in New Jersey. When people came in, they were sinners, and they knew they were sinners. Is is that how it is here in 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 Pittsburgh, or are they greatly influenced by? And I don't even know what all the main um, denominations uh, influence being this. I'm assuming probably Catholic, but I don't know. Yeah, I think we passed a huge Greek Orthodox church oh, yeah. on the way here. Yeah, you can. Pre- pretty much find everything here but it was a uh, mennonite uh church right. in the very center of the town whenever we're coming in and i was like man you because there's right the a the there's a mennonite community not far from where my parents live and they're actually just now building a, a new church but i mean they're on the outskirts of the town right and then but which you know well our amish outreach coordinator he's there in washington washington mm-hmm. pa um but anyway um um well to answer the question it is an emphatic no. I wish people knew they were sinners. Uh, definitely was the way when I first came in. I knew. The moment I stepped into that church there in Vancouver, uh, wow, uh, I knew, you know, I knew I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen. Um, and um, just remind me in case I get off track, uh, but, you know, a little more on my background uh, how I came in. Uh, I can't remember exactly how old I was. I think I was maybe 21. Uh, so having gra- graduated high school and uh, not doing much more after that, but uh, was involved with uh, some of our friends uh, in a heavy metal band. I didn't do, I didn't play any of the instruments. I was the manager which uh, gave me great experience for pastoring because they, they would just fight and I'd have to... Okay, I just want to make sure you did hear that right. Being a manager of a heavy metal yes. band helped you as a pastor. It did. It did. Keep relationships together. That's like a Paul Mooney uh, life application there. Well, you see, I was in the heavy metal band as the manager, but this really helped me in this situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, you know, so, so I was involved in that, what that meant. And, um, and there was a time that, I think it was the drummer and the bassist went out to get some drugs. Uh, and then they came back and, and had the most fantastic story I'd ever heard in my life. And I come from a Catholic background. And as far as Pittsburgh is concerned, it is probably more Catholic than anything else. But this is also the birthplace of the charismatic movement. Uh, so there is that here. And uh, now, how did you define what the charismatic movement is? Because um, to uh, a lot of hard. our listeners, it's, it's different. So what would be a, what is the charismatic movement? That's hard. I don't even really know how to answer that question, to tell you the truth. Uh, let's say it's, um, it's people within mainline denominations uh, having received a touch or baptism of the Spirit. So okay. I, would, I would define it like that. Uh, but they, so we have that, and we, we do have um, uh, PAW. There's a PAW church maybe five minutes from here. Um, anyway, uh, they came back with this fantastic story. I couldn't believe it. They had just gotten the drugs from an older woman, a grandmother, who told them all about Jesus. And uh, it was just the most fantastic thing I've ever heard. And so the next time I wanted to go, I wanted to see if this is true. And when the next time came, I went with them. Sure enough, 
the drugs and uh, the whatever, and, and she would open up the Bible, tell us about Jesus. She would pray with us afterwards. Uh, unbelievable. And I, from that, I continued to go. Now, admittedly, probably it was initially for the free drugs, but I somehow, in time, I grabbed her Bible, got her Bible, and uh, I was going there just to read the Bible. And, and I read that Bible and saw for myself the need to be baptized. And, uh, and ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. It was my drug dealer who took me to the United Pentecostal Church. Wow. And I was baptized in Jesus' name by Brother Black. So, yeah, so, when, and so I knew. But, yeah, when people come in now, I mean, it is really, it's almost like everybody's saved. Everybody saved, and, uh, and, and you have to work at convincing them that they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, not disparaging whatever they have uh, experienced, you know, just simply work from there uh, and, and be kind. Uh, and we've had, we've had everything. Yeah, we've had everything. It's apostolic, and you should, um, you know, we've had everything. Uh, the founder of your state... Um from my understanding, uh, what, yeah, I was, that's what I was getting to is that he, he would have more in common with you than, than probably a lot of mainline denomination here so. in this, because th- that was one thing that blew me away when uh, brother McCall was the first person to, uh, that said something to me about it when we were interviewing him or we were in his office and he had an old book by, um, William Penn or something like that. And how he was, he, he was an anti, anti-Trinitarian, uh, he believed that there was only one God, and right. and so um, it's interesting um, that you know being here in this state that was founded by an individual that believed in the oneness of God. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's cool, and uh, I appreciated it uh, as well when I first found out. And I've come upon that book, you know, a few times, and I've just never picked it up. Really? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Of all the books, I know, I know. <laughs> Well, speaking of books, I've always been told uh, uh, this um, that if you can't, you cannot lead if you do not read. Do you believe that that is a uh, true statement? That one of the essential parts of being a leader is being a reader. Yes and no. Uh, I mean, obviously, there have been some uh, great leaders who were not necessarily readers, but were great leaders because of what had been poured into them. Now, I'm sure that afterwards they were made even greater leaders by being readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that uh, reading is uh, important. But again, like read what? You know, uh, you know there's a lot, uh, a lot who just read fiction, and God knows we don't need any more fictional leaders goodness so you know what are you reading and then also uh what are you doing about what you're reading Uh, there's got to be the application the application is what's going to produce the transformation so if uh, you know so that that's why i say yes or no i mean there's a there's a whole lot of readers uh but not all of them are leaders and it's because 
to a degree they're just doing nothing with whatever they're reading or what they're reading means absolutely nothing to uh, the building up of, uh, of, of themselves or their gifting and so forth. So, so yes and no. How many books are in your library? I, I don't know. Probably very close to... Um, maybe 4,000. <laughs> and your wife's thought process on all this. <laughs> I, I, I can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about off record? <laughs> okay, so the reason she I She gets that, very frustrated how, how by many times. How many books do you send out a month? Yeah, because you, on Twitter yeah, you're constantly sending them out. Right, and I was going to say that. I and I'm tired of dropping subtle hints. Will you just give us something now? Yeah. <laughs> There's some in the car, so we'll see if you want them. Um, <laughs> I, I think as many books as I have, I've probably given away more. Really? Uh, and it started a long time ago. I think one of the first things You've I... You've given away over 4,000 books? I've given away lots, yeah. Wow. And yeah, it goes right back into pouring into other people. All out of your personal income. Like, you've gone out and bought yeah. it, and then you sent it out, paid yeah. for the shipping and everything. Yes, I do. And see, that's that is a another big thing I can't talk about because of my wife. Oh, <laughs> let me cut that out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And one, one of the first things I actually gave away was uh, the public commentary. You know, I, I mean, I've, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it goes something to, you know, people have invested in me. I, I, uh, I remember when I first came into the church and uh, uh, the church was about, it was, it was a good distance from my house. Um, and to get there, I had to take the bus. I took the bus to church and, and that was almost like a, an hour plus ride. And, uh, and then eventually I got the car and was able to drive. Um, but since it was such a distance, we had the um, morning service and then an evening service. Um, and rather than come back home, I would stay at uh, one of the brothers' house. He'd usually take a nap, and I would go and read his books. Uh, so, and he would uh, let me have one or borrow one, uh, and then as, as well as my, my pastor-slash-father-in-law, I'd take his books. Um, so it's probably an outflow of that. But as much as I, as much as I like getting books for myself, and uh, there should be a, three of them coming today, um, <laughs> I really do like you keep giving Amazon them out. busy. And uh, yeah, and, and too, you know, uh, brother Fer uh, Philip Harrelson comments uh, regularly there on Twitter about how the books I've sent him have been uh, top-notch and not just, you know, he just wants to get rid of these. Uh, so, and I do try that. And, and a lot of these books that I'm giving away, um, uh, the good, good, good majority of them have been out of my library. And sometimes, because, you know, you get so many and you kind of forget. I don't have a system. I don't. I just, I just have my my brain um, sometimes you buy the same book and and then sometimes too when I'm out and about looking for books I find a book that I have that I know is a good book and is very very cheap so I will get it even though I already have it I will get it and then 
try to pass it off to somebody I think that, that brings up may enjoy my it. next question for you is are you strategic in what you read or are you just looking for something that piques your interest I am strategic uh, I want I want the book to help me to help the people I pastor so mm-hmm. so first off that book has got to help me so that I can help uh, fulfill the will of God here and for them so th- that's 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 so you're not one. looking for a time filler no, no, no. And again, I think mentioned, you know, everybody wants to know how many books do you read? How many books? I mean, well, not as many as people would think because uh, I read what I need. That's it. I don't feel like I have to read a book cover to cover. And let's be honest, there are very few books that are worth that kind of investment. They're yes. just not that good. I mean, I don't know how many books we have started where it's been, yes, 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 and then it's, eh. Yeah, and then the final chapter gets back to the yes, yes, yes. So I can well, I, I can relate with that completely, completely relate to that. Uh, I've told Brian this before. There's there's been a time where I went to this event, this conference, and the very first speaker, the very first message, the first ten fifteen minutes was enough for me. It was directed straight to me, as right. like God spoke it to me. Where I leaned over to the person I was with, I was like, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I got what I came here for. Amen. I'm going to chew on that for the rest of the weekend. I'm not going to hear nothing else because that was for me. So that's how it is for you with books. Yeah, uh, books for me more than, you know, pastoring. I don't mean this in a bad way, but I don't read for fun. <laughs> Again, I, I'm reading because I need help and I want to be a help. Um, so definitely strategic in that but that said all the books I've bought I do still buy something where I shake my head wondering (laughs) what were you thinking you know I I still buy a bad book and uh, and that's the one I'll pass on no instead of book recommendations Brian wants you to do what's the worst book you've ever read no I'm just kidding (laughs) yeah oh dear I can't remember what it was but I literally threw it I can't remember what that was. I just threw it across the room. I, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't don't My Life remember. by Bill Clinton, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't even don't remember what the context of it was or anything. It was just no, like, no. And I've done some stupid things too. You know, having read a <laughs> having read a review mm-hmm. uh, of a certain book, especially when when it, everything was new age. You know, and, and then I would take that book and, and throw it away stupid because it was totally misinterpreted can you judge a book by its cover in all honesty yes okay i always thought you could too yes and that again that that goes to the strategic part yes i want something that's going to help me to help the people of god and to do the work of god here um but there are uh things that are in my interest zone sure and i do most of my books are reference theological love the commentaries etc so they're not really you know read from page one to to the end they're sure. not that kind of book and, and and i look at them they're tools they're tools i mean we have tools and we use the tool that we need for that specific function and that's how i treat books i'm, I'm not trying to get through it i i just want to I just, I just need to read what I need. And a lot of times, again, like I'm saying, I'm reading uh, William Lane 
Craig's book on atonement right now. And I just want to stop because all of a sudden he has uh, sparked so many things in my thinking that I, I want to go off aside here and just start writing a Bible study or a Sunday school lesson on the atonement. And some of the tweets that I've put out like um, repentance means nothing without the cross. You know, same with even water baptism in Jesus' name. It means nothing without the cross and, and etc. You know, so I don't, I, I, like you just said a moment ago, it's speaking to me, stop yeah, and start, uh, start working all that out, whatever the implications are. So We have some great uh, apostolic writers, but, but I certainly think we need more. Like when you, you reference like William Lane Craig, he's an incredible, oh, just general Christian apologist, uh, right. philosopher. Right. Uh, we need men, in, in, you know, with our specific context— that can ride on the level that men like he can. And uh, we probably do. Unfortunately, we don't know them. Um, and, and I must say, uh, from when I first came in to now, uh, apostolic books, oh my goodness, a thousand percent better. Much, much better. I, I mean, you know, uh, it was almost a little embarrassing back then. But now we have some incredible writers and uh and much better editors uh and even the design and the production of our apostolic books are 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 comparable to anything uh, brother bernard uh excellent uh uh theological level uh books that can very easily uh find its way into that theological academic setting as well as Brother Seagraves and uh, and others, forgot their names. So we, we do this all the time uh, with every single guest. What is a book recommendation? I saw that you showed us a while ago you have a page of book recommendations. Give us some of those that's on there. Yeah, uh, and I would say, too, first, uh, if you are going to begin or, or if you're beginning to read, Read apostolic first, yes. I, I think. Just read apostolic first. I, I mean, I, I can't even begin to uh, imagine uh, the impact and the influence that uh, Brother Bernard's books had. I mean, wow, when I first came in and, uh, and began to really get into reading, it was just him. I just wanted to read him. Uh, and, uh, and his books uh, uh, helped me tremendously and, and built a... A, an apostolic foundation uh, from which I could venture out into non-apostolic writings, which there is a need to be careful. You, you have to be careful. Uh, not every, I mean, yeah, you do have to be very, very careful. So I would definitely begin with the apostolic um, and, and then some of the Puritans, uh, The Evil of Evils by Jeremiah Burroughs. <laughs> is is wonderful um jonathan edwards very good tell uh, you know anything he wrote i'm sorry not yet keep going <laughs> you know oh no that's uh, uh, gene edwards yeah, is what i'm thinking gene of. edwards oh i'm sorry oh I'm he sorry. thought you were talking about that's him. tale of three kings yes. which yeah everybody should read. everybody should read everybody that, should yeah. read that it's yeah. It's an easy read, and yet... It'll change uh, your life. It will, yeah. yeah. No matter how long you've been in the church, whether it be one day or a hundred years. Yeah, and, and, and for me, too, one of the... Um, 
one of the, um, I love reading David Martin Lloyd-Jones. Uh, he was pastor there in uh, London, Westminster Chapel. Uh, the two-volume uh, biography by Ian Murray on him is, is top-notch, as well as his uh, biography on Jonathan Edwards. But I just love uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Um, all of his books are pretty much just the, uh, his expository sermons. Uh, I devoured his on, on Second Peter. Just, uh, it's just, uh, it's it just so the the exposition of the text just just flows almost effortlessly as he as he writes, and he's got uh, he's got expositions on Romans, Ephesians, Acts. Um, so I, he, he's one of my favorites, and I definitely do recommend him. Uh, MacArthur as well, but with uh, with a little caution. <laughs> MacArthur, I don't know if you'll hear this or not, but he ticks me off sometimes. Uh, and yeah, it's, he's not very friendly to our position, is he? No, no, <laughs> no. On a couple and, of and to many others, actually, you know. So um, the um, the per- the pursuit of God, A. W. Tozer. Everybody should read that. Everybody should read that. That's almost a book that, while you're reading, is actually throwing your face to the to the ground. Um, if I remember correctly, he he wrote that in in one sitting. It just what's it called? Uh, the The Pursuit of God, A. W. Tozer. Uh, it's a classic. Um, everybody should read that. It's it's uh, it, it will literally throw you on, on your face. Uh, prayer, worship. Um, Good books as well. Gordon MacDonald's Order in Your Private World. That's a very good book. Um, of course, uh, Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. As far as leadership goes, uh, one of the better writers on it, at least from a Christian perspective, is Frank Damasio. And he's got a massive The Making of a Leader book that uh, is chock full of um, uh, biblical um, help to uh, cause us to be uh, good leaders. Uh, I do like uh, Craig Keener. His books are good, and he is uh, he is a Holy Ghost filled um, individual. I like N.T. Wright, but again, N.T. Wright uh, uh, would caution because not everything he says or writes is right. Uh, everybody <laughs> should read Brother Stone King's Gifts of the Spirit and the Fivefold Ministry and Spiritual Insights, and even his book uh, Testimony on His Miracle. Uh, is good re- good reading. Brother Stone King is uh, an orator, and he he writes as he speaks. And then there's a, a million and one uh, uh, theological type books. Uh, John Piper, uh, his Desiring God, uh, some of his biography, the twenty one uh, twenty one servants of sovereign joy. That that makes for good reading. A very convicting one is his. Uh, don't waste your life, and that's become something of a a modern day classic. And of course, everybody should read uh, the um, the the original or whatever. It can be a little daunting, but but they do have Banner of Truth does have it in three volumes: the Christian and Complete on uh, Armor by uh, William Gurnall. But but there's a lot of good books out there. A lot of good authors. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, you do have to be wise because, um, as I can hear my wife in my head right now, 
you know, books are expensive. <laughs> they do, they do cost, and and I do try to be very careful. And in, and you know, I don't just buy a book. Um, I do, I do research. <laughs> so I'm out there. I'm looking uh, for the best price possible. Now, what three you, books are in the mail right now? Huh? What three books do you have in the mail right now? Uh, you know, two of them are i I'm just trying this out to see what this uh, individual is like. So. I'm not even sure what it's about, but the other one is a actually the the other one is a um, a um, second not a uh, what's that called? Mercy, I'm having a brain freeze. Um, they do the first volume and then they update the second edition. Huh? Compendium? No, they update it. Uh, the second revised? edition, a revised I guess just edition. Just an updated, yeah, revised. Yeah, it's actually a revised. Um, Glory of God, Thomas Schreiner. Um, hold on. He's going to get his tracking number out and see how, <laughs> see how good Amazon's doing today. Yeah. See what. what I assume, the driver's note that says hide underneath the floor mat. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually already delivered. Paul, Apostle of God's Glory in Christ, Pauline Theology, second edition, Thomas Schreiner. Uh, which, you know. I like Twitter, and I only do Twitter for fun. If you want to argue, I'm not going to argue on Twitter. It's just a horrible platform. Bro, you put some pretty good stuff on Twitter. And I've met some incredible, wonderful people, you folks here. I mean, wow, I I can't believe it. It uh, I I didn't want to do it. It was Brother Jack Lehman, you know, Jack Lehman. Uh, He's in New Brunswick there, uh, pastor of the church, of which Brother Woodward is bishop. He's the one. He actually took my took the phone from me and set set up the account for me. Uh, so, been doing it and and trying it and uh, hopefully getting better and better each day. But you know, that's cool. I mean, I've never met Thomas Schreiner. I have met some theologian slash authors and uh, even spoken on the phone with uh, Ben Witherington. Uh, but you know, the other day. Uh, I had sent out a congratulations to Thomas Schreiner. He had uh, been honored with a, a book uh, for his years of service. And, uh, and he tweeted back, thanks, Tony. I just think that's so, that's so cool. Um, makes me feel like uh, a, a little kid. But um, I'm where gonna, were we? I'm going to encourage all of our listeners to go follow this guy. It's at T-M-A-N-S-I-N-H-O. Go follow that guy. Trust me, you'll 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 grow. Trust me, you will. Don't argue with him though. He already said he didn't argue. Yeah, don't on argue. <laughs> what I mean, a what a terrible platform to get into debates. With it's people. not even yeah. What a horrible platform. Not yeah, not even feasible. And, and again, I'm just doing it for fun. I'm I'm just doing it for fun. I don't want to uh, I don't want to get into any kind of back and forth. Right. I just want to put out some uh, quote or. Something I think, you know, and the quotes come from a lot of places. A lot of it is just from my reading. Yeah, I'm just reading, take credit for it all, man. You know, and then, huh? <laughs> just take credit for it all. Well, if it has quotations, it's a quote. Uh, and, and yeah. you know, that's the thing. I, I, I posted a quote, and somebody came back and just lamb-blasted me for it and said some ugly stuff. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, I, I mean, my, my wife took it a whole lot more personally than me. Me, I just like, oh, whatever, I don't care. Um, you know, but Those are keyboard warriors. And I tweeted back and I said, it's a quote. 
and, and then I hope to make them feel stupid. I said, it's by John Calvin. <laughs> so what are you arguing with me for? I mean, like, so it, it, it's, and John Calvin, it was preordained that you retweet that. It, perfect. <laughs> it, was, it was preordained. Perfect. Oh, my, that is so funny. <laughs> so, well, but yeah, uh, lots of books. Man, I, I do. I, uh, I am still like a little kid looking out the window for the postman. Feel sorry for him at times because there's a few. Here's a dirty secret. I get it. Oh, my wife's going to listen. Yeah. Well, she already knows, but <laughs> uh, I get a whole lot more books than what I'm posting. Uh oh. Yeah. And she knows that. She does know that, though. Or had to, she's figured yeah. it out. She's put two and two together, one and one together. Yeah. Two. yeah. Well, when she can't go check the mail without getting a three to four. Oh, bag. <laughs> I hate it. She worked from home, but now, now she's working outside the home. Thank God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know when I get multiple boxes, when everything showed up at the same time. <laughs> so I had to figure out ways how to sneak that into the house without her seeing, because. So are you are you are you like curbside delivery or do they bring it up to your house? No, they, they bring, bring it up. Oh yeah, yeah. They yeah. So it's just, just right there. To meet them. It's just right there. Yeah, go yeah. intercept that. Thing. The other day I went looking for them. Yeah, because yeah. I wanted hey, a book. Go intercept I that. You're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. You know all about those interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he he's looking at his tracking number, whenever it says delivered to agent, he's like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> left yeah, with individual. Wife. My wife, she wants me to, if I get one, I need to give one. Mm-hmm. So uh, she's okay. You got three today. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but two are probably going to be just, lousy. Just, just nothing. Just going to go yeah. on the side pile. That's it. <laughs> but this other one on the Pauline theology, that would be good. So somebody will be gifted with the first edition. There you go. Once that? I find it. <laughs> that that is a problem they are everywhere i do have some here um i got a lot at home um man and, and just everywhere on top of each other um yeah my wife has been very good it's been an honor honor to talk to you today um uh, thank you for taking time to, to uh, absolutely to meet with us uh, to have this discussion and talk about um, everything that we talked about from heritage to um, reading and just everything in between. Uh, would like to now ask you um, if you have a, a burden on your heart um, or something that God's been dealing with you with, would like to give you an opportunity to share what you feel like God has been um, impressing upon you uh, recently. If you could minister to the people out there listening to this podcast. Well, I, I think it uh, goes to what I just preached Sunday, which is something that has been in me for a very long time. Um, I think it's time for us to wake up, to wake up to who we are and what we have. Uh, obviously, the who we are, our identity is going to result out of our identifying who Jesus is, just like in Matthew 16. You know, he asked his disciples, who do the people say? And then he brought it more personally, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. And then right after that, Jesus says, 
and you are Peter. Uh, so our identity will flow out of our identifying who Jesus is. And who we are is, by virtue of the new birth, children of God. And we're not just uh, children of God because after Jesus said, and you are Peter, he then said, and I give you the keys. So who we are results in what we have. And, uh, and we need to wake up to that because um, uh, too many in the apostolic church are just sleepwalking. We need to wake up. Wow. Uh, to our, uh, to our, who we are and what we have. Now, in my Sunday message, I just uh, highlighted uh, two aspects or two keys, and that was anointing and authority. And, uh, and that in itself is enough. If we ever wake up, we'll, we will uh, tour, turn the world uh, upside down, right side up. Uh, I, that, that's the big thing for me. I, I just don't think that we know who we are because we struggle with stuff that we shouldn't be struggling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we let stuff go on in our lives and even in the lives of those that we love that you know, doesn't have to be, or as I say, the way it is is not the way it has to be. You know, Just like uh, Paul in Acts 16 and the ministry team with him, when that uh, possessed girl followed them and, and uh, said what she said, you know, he let, the Bible says that he let it go on for many days. And when we do that, but eventually even Paul woke up and turned around and, uh, and stopped that and freed that girl from that demonic possession. And I think that that's us. We're letting so much happen that doesn't have to happen because of who we are and what we have. And the moment we wake up, that's when change is going to occur. We have to wake up. We are, we're not just, we're not just anybody. We are, we are children of God. We belong to him. And as a result of that, we have anointing and we have authority. I mean, how many times do people pray, oh God, God, give me strength. God must be like, give you strength. What are you talking about? That's all part of the package. You know, uh, we have everything, Peter says, I think, everything necessary in order to get this right. You know, we, we have everything. And, and yet we aren't using it. And therefore, we're losing battles and wars that we have no business losing. It's just a matter that we need to wake up to who we are and as a result of who we are and whose we are, what we have. And the moment we do that, we uh, most certainly will begin to uh, affect the change, revival that we want to see. I mean, uh, Romans 8 talks about how creation is like on tiptoe waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. The world's waiting on us to wake up to who we are, what we have, because it's who we are and what we have that's going to change their lives, which is so necessary. That, and um, and again, even to the young people, to them I would say, because they don't get it right, and, uh, and, and I wish that we would be more compassionate more understanding, more Christian uh, in showing grace and mercy. Um, I would say to them, don't give up. And I tell this to a lot of people, they struggle, you know. I tell them, don't give up, 
because God doesn't give up on you. If he doesn't give up on us, it, you know, regardless of all the stupid things we say and do and are, he never gives up on us, and therefore we should never give up on him. Just continue, Con you know, make things right, repent and readjust and walk with him. Uh, don't give up, he never gives up. And, uh, and, and that is something I think that, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in the, while we're doing this or it was before. Uh, I, I wish that we could come out from under the burden of perfection. Um, I mean, this, this thing about uh, being perfect and uh, yes, absolutely, uh, you know, it, it, it's what we sh need to be striving for, as Jesus said, be perfect uh, and elsewhere. But I don't know that we necessarily have the right interpretation. Uh, I think that uh, perfection uh, has a whole lot to do with just us being human. And uh, there's actually a book that uh, I want to start reading uh, after the atonement book and it's on that it's on that very subject oh dear of um, perfection it's called God in Human Wholeness by Kant Yinger Y-I-N-G-E-R and uh, you know I, I think I mean wow I, I think it's sad sometimes how we treat one another when we fail, don't get it right. And, uh, and I think it's sad too that we uh, try to live according to somebody's definition of what being perfect is. You know, at the end of the day, I just wanna be like Jesus. I do, that's my, not, that's all I want. I just wanna be like Jesus. Later on today, we're going to be going uh, over to Ohio, and, and we're meeting with a, a pastor, John Carroll, there. Um, on our way, um, on our flights today, I was listening to some of the podcasts, and there was something he said in one of the sermons that I listened to that kind of relates to what you said there at the end about looking at others' imperfections. He, he talked about the man that was blind that Jesus began to heal, and the question was asked to the man, what can you see? And he said, I see men as trees walking. And as long as you're in a position where you see, just see men as trees, then you will always get confused when you cut the trees down. Is that you can cut men down and you can cut the tree, just as you can cut a tree down whenever you see them as just an object, as just another, just something other. But when you really put value in other people and you really see people for who they really are, how they are a child of God, they're a person that's made in the image of God, then that should change our, our, our perception of how we see other people. And that way we put a value in people. That way we don't make the mistake of cutting down a brother and sister. This has been The Crucial Conversation. Mm -hmm.